Good morning, everyone, and welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf alongside what? Nick Wright, who sweated out a tough brow? one last night. Brandon Marshall will tell you in a second, Mr. Kevin Wilds. And after an incredible night of wild finishes in the NBA last night, we start the show with one question. Did somebody say something about James Harden's defense? What? That's oh where we start goodness. this morning. Thunder Rockets game seven. A wild finish. Nine seconds left. Thunder down one. Lugens Dort's shot blocked by James Harden. The same James Harden whose defense has been knocked his whole career. The same James Harden who had another miserable game oh on offense. Goodness. Yes, that James Harden. And that play sends the Rockets on to face LeBron and the oh. Lakers after beating the Oklahoma City Thunder in seven games. Here is James Harden after Houston's big win. Like, it's, it's, it's cool to, you know, get 40 or 50 points or be shooting the ball extremely well. Obviously, we all want to do that. But just to, to get recognition and for it to pay off, you know, when it counts on a def defensive end uh, and show that I've been engaged and locked in, uh, for it to show in a, in a, in a clutch moment, it uh, means a lot. I know, man. It's a tough one. It's tough. Like, we, we, we fought hard all year. Um, obviously, a lot of people doubted us, but we didn't doubt ourselves. Uh, we didn't give a damn about anybody's predictions going into any series. In any game, we, we expected to win. All right. And that's the way we play all season long. Every game, we expected to win. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough one. Clearly an emotional toll taken on, on the players in this series. They really gutted out through seven games. Nick, you, you, you wiped your brow because you had picked the Rockets, but they just barely made it. The oh. irony of James Harden pulling it out on defense. What would you make? of the wild finish last night? Well, I wiped my brow less because of my prediction and more because uh, if the Rockets lose that game, what it means for, we know Mike D'Antoni's gone. I, I had been hesitant to say this because I, I'm a little conflicted on this because I consider Daryl Morey a personal friend, but if they lose that game, I wonder if Daryl is brought back. And I also wonder if the entire kind of ethos of this team of leaning into the math is changed or if they try to make a major trade this offseason to pivot away from where they're at, which is why that play we're showing right there might be the biggest play of James Harden's entire career. Listen, Harden was bad last night. For 46 and a half minutes, he was bad. But he had another block Earlier in the fourth quarter, that was a huge play when it was a one-point game. And then this block right yep. there, which saves the Rockets franchise from total abject disaster. And it also, Brandon, saves James Harden's legacy from taking almost a, a hit that you couldn't recover from. He has had some really bad playoff moments but for the last five years, they're playing the Warriors. Like, you can, you can justify it. They weren't the better team. If they lose this series, Brandon, to this team against Chris Paul and kind of a, a makeshift group of guys that people thought wasn't even going to be in the playoffs, Harden is forever scarlet-lettered. And so that still could happen to him, but 
This was maybe the biggest moment for Harden his entire career because of what it meant for the here and now for the franchise and for the future of how we look at James Harden, Brandon. They're lucky to get out of game seven, Nick. I mean, we wake up mm -hmm. at 4.30 in the morning, every mm -hmm. morning for a production meeting to go through the show. 4.15. And last night, I'm just sitting there in my bed watching this game. And I'm like, is this why I'm staying up? This is not what I <laughs> want to see. Everyone's talking about James Harden's defense. Like, this is great. We've been asking him to do this for years. This is exactly what the Rockets True. need. No, it is not. What we need from the Rockets and James Harden is for them to continue to double down on plan A. Plan A is small ball. Plan A is running everything through James Harden. I don't want to see James Harden playing this type of defense. I don't want to hear him in press conferences say, oh, I'm engaged and I'm getting it done on the defensive side. That's what's going to get you out. That's what's going to break up this entire franchise. We need James Harden scoring 40, 50 points. That's what we need. They're lucky to, to get out of game seven to see another day. But James Harden, please, man, do not listen to the media. Don't listen to us. Please don't. Go be the James Harden we know. Dominate the basketball. Force the refs to call the foul. Don't get your teammates involved. Because if you want to continue to move on, you need to be James Harden that we've seen for the past four to five years. Hmm. Well, Brandon, you know what I think? Uh, I, I was not super stressed last night, but I woke up sad. And it's a sad day for me, and it's a sad day for anyone that likes memes, Jenna. Because the James Harden <laughs> is terrible at defense meme... It's probably, it's probably dead now. And look, I'm not saying James Harden is Gary Payton, but James Harden is no James Harden. He had three blocks last night, two in crunch time. This season, he had 125 steals. He had six most deflections. He recovered 100 loose balls, third in the league. And if you combine those up, deflections and loose balls, there's like defensive stalwarts on this team in James Harden. We've had this narrative all wrong. So if anybody wants to tweet out James Harden is terrible at defense, I don't think oh. we can anymore. It's really rough for us. Yeah, but guess and what? Nick, well, I but think guess, he's, he but was, guess what, Wilds? Go ahead, Brandon. But guess what, Wilds? That James Harden defense and these stats that you're showing, they took a Oklahoma City Thunder team to game seven. So what did this accomplish? It accomplished nothing. They were supposed to beat the Thunder. But it took them seven games to do it. This is not what we want to see out of James Harden. That's true, but you know what Nick, I think, though, Brandon? One of the things that makes Harden fun to root for is that he is a little roller coastery. That he he feels a little oh, bit, well. I don't know, he he feels a little bit more human. Like you don't know what you're gonna get. It's and it, it's exciting. And, and Nick, here's the, the I, listen, we had he had that big up. turnover game. I'd still be very worried about him if if the Lakers um, if the Lakers series goes seven. I would be very, very nervous if I was James Harden because then his legacy would be on the line Wait, again. This block doesn't erase listen, everything. Uh, well, the, 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 what he has going for him in the Lakers series is they're not expected to win. But I, I have been as big of a supporter and defender of James Harden of anyone in the media. And James Harden, by the way, has been a good defensive player for the better part of 
four years now. He has been one of the best post defenders, statistically or eye test wise, over the last three years. But of course, to Brandon's point, he is who he is because he's won three straight scoring titles because the last two years combined, he's averaged 35 points per game, which we haven't seen anyone do in the modern era of basketball. That is why Harden is who he is. But also who Harden is, unfortunately, and we now have a large sample size, is a guy who is not great in these moments. And I, right. I, I don't want to kill him too much because, listen, their final game of the year last year against the Warriors, he had 35-8-5, but got annihilated because they lost. So it's not fair to then yeah. be like, well, last night he was bad on offense, but we're going to annihilate him even though they won. But he is a different guy in the biggest games of the year. That is undeniable. But I'm going to say something else, Wild, because that's going to make you sad. Go oh. ahead, Brandon. Go ahead. It, it's, 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 it's because he's trying to fix the things that we in the media is asking him to fix. He's not this great defensive player. Well, that's not why we pay him. We pay him to score the basketball. That's what you pay James Harden for. So as players, you hear the noise. It's time for James Harden to block the noise and go back to doing what he does. He dominates the basketball. He forces the refs to call the, 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 foul, the hard fouls. We're not seeing that yeah. right now. If you saw him last night, he you was saw too this much, guy dribbling, he was too much penetrating, of a kicking it. You're right about that. He, he needed to attack more, and his shot wasn't falling, so he needed to find a way to get the free throw line. That's all totally fair. My point is, is that we have seen a bunch of these elimination games where Harden's efficiency all of a sudden falls off a cliff. But what I was going to say, Wilds, here's the other thing. And, and for far too long in his career, I think Chris Paul was unfairly criticized. But Chris Paul made a big thing of some folks are built for this. He, he's, he's, he's staring mm. down James Harden in a way we've never seen. Oh. I, and I know, I know the bubble doesn't happen without Chris Paul, and I know he's an all-timer. Those last three minutes, he didn't exactly cloak himself in glory. He checks back into the game with four minutes left. With three minutes left, he has a bad turnover. A couple with a minute no, that, Nick, that wasn't and a, a bad half left. That was a- he, no, that was a bad turnover. I know you love Great it. Defense. Listen, here's what... Here's what Chris Paul did in the final four minutes of the game. He had a bad turnover. He missed a seven-foot jump shot. The next possession, if you watch the next possession, you don't even see Chris Paul. He's 40 feet from the basket letting SGA try to cook. And the next possession on that one that led to the final sequence, which was bizarre, he gives up the basketball. You can't give up the basketball yeah, there, Chris, and if you do, you got to get it right back. And on the inbound play, he's stuck in the corner, and they give it to Steven Adams. After, by the way, not taking the free throw. Instead, Gallinari takes the technical free throw. Gallinari's having his worst game he's had in a month. Like, So I, I, I think some of the criticism of Chris Paul has been unfair historically. But you say the things he said after game six, you're slapping guys on the butt, you're staring down James Harden, and then you have the game in your hands in the exact spot you wanted it, Jenna, and he, he was not good the final few minutes of that game. That's part of this story as well. I play better offense than Chris Paul and James Harden combined at the last two minutes of that wow. game. Rockets now can breathe a sigh of relief as they're moving on. That's I didn't even play last something. night. The Bucks not breathing nearly as easy as they drop another one last night. Hey, is it panic time quite Yeah, This is First Things First. Oh, it's panic time.
The stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day. Muscle pain and muscle tension, that's a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash FTF right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash FTF, theragun.com slash FTF. You know his name, Tua. Now see the inspiring story of Alabama's quarterback sensation and his fight to overcome a potential career-ending injury while chasing his destiny to the NFL. It's a great story. Watch Tua Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on Fox. Back here talking Bucks. Heat game two, another crazy ending. Bucks down three, eight seconds to play. Chris Middleton's three doesn't go. But he is fouled here by Goran Dragic. He would make all three free throws. Nick didn't like the call. We are tied up now. 4.3 seconds left. Jimmy Butler with a chance to win. And Nick doesn't like this call either. Doesn't go, but wait. Giannis fouls Jimmy on the shot, or so they say. Butler to the free throw line with a chance to win. He can hit two. He only needed one. And Jimmy Butler would nail both as Miami takes a 2-0 lead over the top-seeded Bucks. Okay, Brandon, Bucks playing catch-up all game long, but still with a chance at the end. What did you make of the way this game ended? Well, I mean, most people are talking about the last few seconds of the game. I'm looking at the last three minutes of the game. When I was watching this, this reminded me of some YMCA basketball, 15 and under league, where it was so sloppy. We're seeing a Miami Heat team that really has been really good throughout this, 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 playoff, this playoff run, and we, we're seeing them play sloppy. We're seeing them miss free throws. They're fouling three-point shooters. They're throwing the ball away. Like, I mean, can it get any bad? any more worse like this is bad display of playoff basketball if I'm coach Spo, what I'm doing is I'm bringing my guys in the locker room I'm putting probably seven to ten clips up on the screen and I'm showing them where we had opportunities to really dominate this team because they have all the answers they have everything they need they have four or five guys that can really uh just take Giannis out of a game. They have everyone on offense that can score 20 points in any given night. So if I'm Coach Spo, I'm using this as an opportunity to make my team better. The defense wasn't great last night. There was too many breakdowns. Giannis had too many easy, easy putbacks at the rim. So, wow, if I'm you, I'm backing me up here because the Miami Heat have an opportunity to sweep this team. And I know that's a bold pr prediction. It's a bold prediction, but we're seeing these, this team dominate night after night. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? It's funny because in the bubble, 
it feels like the number one seed was at a distinct disadvantage because they didn't have home court. And like last night, I don't think um, Jimmy gets that call if they're in Milwaukee. I just don't think the refs make that call. And a little slow in sports analysis will back me up on that. But now that they're down 2-0 and they're still, they're not going back to Miami, although they are in Florida, I think this actually bodes well for them. But I wanted to kick a question to you, Nick. Every game, yeah. it seems like the f world of sports wrestles with human fallibility. Last night, same thing, and everyone is shocked that mistakes are made. The Bucks are fallible, the Heat are fallible, and the refs are fallible. That's just it. So we all have to live with it collectively as sports fans. But I, I, if I was Adam Silver, I would do this. I would say, you know what? Let's take an NBA census. The first option is absolute perfect refereeing, which we can't have because of human fallibility. And now, fill out in your little census for you get two options. You want too many calls or not enough? Pick one, and that's what we'll do, and stop complaining. The answer complaining. is so not that's the question enough. To you. No, but everybody knows the answer. The answer is I not enough. Then, then and I, I don't want to spend too much time on the officiating. I Go thought ahead. Mark Davis, who called those two phantom fouls, was going to be, you know, ha hold the pole position for worst official of the bubble in a game thus far, <laughs> taking it from uh, the guy, I forget his name now, who threw out Chris Stapps. But then Scott Foster came running in from off camera okay, and said, wait and watch this. And so, listen, last night was not good for officiating in the NBA. But the reason it's not a bigger story is the right team won. Miami led that game for That's 45 right. and a half right. minutes. To Brandon's yep. point, the only reason it was even close at the end was because they made a mess of the final couple minutes. So it, neither of those calls should have happened. They evened out whatever. That is not the issue here. Here is the issue here. It is not Giannis's legacy that's at stake. It is not could Bud be fired after winning coach of the year. It, that's at stake. Here's what's at stake. The future financial health of the greater Milwaukee area. If Giannis leaves, the entire city takes a massive hit. The franchise goes back to total irrelevance. And I have been hesitant to talk about Giannis's future. But if they leave, if they leave, if they lose to the Heat, and not only do they not make the finals, but they actually go backwards from the conference finals last year to the second round this year, Giannis is not signing an extension this offseason. It goes, the chances go to 0%, which is why I implore you, Coach Bud, because your star player isn't going to demand it because he's 25 years old <laughs> and he's too damn polite. Can you play Giannis real minutes? This is the God-blessed playoffs. Guess what stars do? Play 40-plus minutes. Guess what young physical freaks do in the prime of their athletic life? They play 45 minutes. LeBron played 47 minutes a game one year in the playoffs. And Tim Duncan, his first six years in the league, with Pop coaching him, and I say Pop because Bud learned from Pop, averaged 42 minutes a game in the playoffs. Giannis can't be playing 35 minutes. You refused to play him heavy minutes when the Raptors were stealing a title opportunity from you last year. And yesterday, you refused to stray from what you do. Like, he, listen to Giannis, Brandon, after the game. Here's Giannis because he doesn't yet, I think, fully understand the power he wields talking about his minutes. I'm going to do whatever Coach Bad tells me to do. Uh, that's what I've been doing all year. Obviously, I love to play 48 minutes, uh, but 
you know, he sees the game, he coaches the game, so he's going to do whatever he tells him to do. Brandon, this is similar to what we heard from Giannis when it was like, why aren't you guarding Jimmy? He said, I'll do what coach tells me to do. Giannis doesn't yet fully realize his but, own power. But isn't here. this concerning? But the Bucks, go ahead. But, yeah. But, but, but isn't it concerning, right? Because we're trying to put him in this position of the face of the NBA and we're saying like this is could possibly be a two-time MVP of the of, of this league but this isn't yep. what we see out of superstars in this position you're seeing Kobe you're seeing LeBron we've seen guys tell their coach what they want to do we've seen these guys check themselves back into a game so I think it's concerning that Giannis isn't taking more of initiative to impose his will uh, that's fair but he sh on this one he shouldn't have to this is common sense. Listen, Wilds, I know you had all those fancy numbers about how dominant the Bucs were in the regular season. Guess what? The Bucs with Giannis not on the court in the playoffs are not going to be a good team. If, if you're running things through Chris Middleton or Eric Bledsoe, you are not a great team. You need Giannis out there. And my concern in the regular season was, oh, when they're like, Giannis only playing 30 minutes a night, look at what he's doing, was that Bud was going to continue to stick to this, he's got to be rested or he can't be great on both ends. He might be the best pure athlete in the world today. He's 25 years old. <laughs> Let the guy play Wilds. Like, this is this could derail the entire future of this franchise if you don't let Giannis play 42 to 46 minutes and try to get back in this series. Yeah, so now that I think the panic meter went up, and look, if, if Jimmy doesn't get fouled and it goes into overtime, all right, maybe Bud was right the whole time in trying to manage him for the long haul. Earlier, no. Nick, you talked about how LeBron had the long view. What do you need to win a championship? Maybe Bud was like that. Like, I'm still going to restrict his minutes because we're trying to think about the, uh, the finals. But now all of a sudden you look oh. up like, uh-oh, we're in a 2-0 hole. I have to readjust. So game this three, I assume, Nick. And, and you can take credit for this. You could be like, oh, Coach Bud, listen to me. He's going to play the minutes because I bet the minutes go up in game it's, three. This isn't right. Go there ahead, Brandon. Sorry. There, there, there comes a time where the player tells the coach what to do. And, and I know for some it may come off as disrespectful, but you, you see it in basketball. You see it in football. You see it in soccer. In these defining moments, Players run up to their coach, tell them, coach, call this. We saw it with Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. He told the coach what they wanted to play. You see Tom Brady, you see Russell Wilson telling the coaches, waving them off, Lamar Jackson, waving them off. No, we're going for it on fourth down. Nick. So we're, we expect yeah. our superstars to stand up and say, this is what we need to do in these defining moments. Nick, did the Bucks lose because Giannis didn't play enough minutes in the first two games? Well, it, it certainly that? didn't help. Listen, I want to give the Heat credit. They have a great plan for Giannis, but he still almost put 30 on their head on over 50% shooting, and he's still the best weak side defender in basketball. He has to be out there. Again, for Giannis, a LeBron comparison is fair because he is a two-time MVP or about to be. And by the way, they better move up that MVP announcement ceremony or else it might happen <laughs> in a hallway somewhere with Giannis out of the playoffs if Bud doesn't get this fixed. But think about this number. Here's why I bring up LeBron. LeBron, for his career, averages 42 minutes per game in the playoffs. That is including 
all the blowouts he's been a part of where he plays 27 to 30 minutes because one team is killing the other. In close playoff yep. games, great players play 44 minutes. That is what you need from them. Giannis can do it. He played 40 minutes a night in the playoffs under Jason Kidd. If you lose because you are saving bullets for your gun for a series you don't get to, it is coaching malpractice. So the first step is keep your best player on the court as long as possible, Jenna, and then try to figure the rest out. But I can't believe they fell down 0-2 and Giannis is playing 36 minutes a night. I can't believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Heat All right, are game good. three Friday night. I'll say it. It's a must win for the Bucs at this point. Heat are uh, good. Coming up, yes, Tom Brady's got a new weapon on the way to Tampa Bay. We break it down next. First things first. For a lot of us, our home is now more than just our home. It's also a gym, a bakery, and a barber shop. And if you're a business owner or a people manager, home might also be where you do your hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier because you can do it all from one convenient place. ZipRecruiter.com slash approach. No matter where you're hiring from, ZipRecruiter does the work for you. How? Well, ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to identify the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can even invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you and you stand out from the competition. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, First Things First listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com approach. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash approach, A-P-P-R-O-A-C-H. ZipRecruiter.com slash approach. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The Heat are a tough matchup. That's why you got to play him. Like my friend Marnie, on an absolute spending spree, news breaking last night that running back Leonard Fournette agreed to a one-year deal worth up to $3.5 million with the team. The former number four overall pick was waived Monday by Jacksonville after the team unsuccessfully tried to trade him. So another weapon for Tom Brady. A sentence we haven't said in years. What do you think, Nick? Does TB12 have any excuse now not to dominate with the weapons he is currently surrounded with in Tampa Bay? Uh, Very quickly before I answer that question, I, I, I must say, Jenna, I thought your Patriots analysis there was so spectacular and spot on, and I was so ready to on and off the air just give you a big virtual hug, and then you couldn't resist the urge to somehow name check Marnie 12 seconds later, and it's just like all the good work that was done, it's just totally erased. I'm like, okay, it's like like for a moment someone else inhabited your body, and then it's like, oh, now Jenna's back. We're talking about Marnie spending at Bloomingdale's. Okay, great. All right, now to this this question. But that's what she does. Listen, Brandon, I don't know where you fall on this. I think Leonard Fournette is a name more than he is, uh, forget elite, even very good NFL running back. He was great at LSU. Since then, he's been replacement level. And, you know, to misquote my guy from Reading Rainbow, you don't have to take my word for it. 31 teams in the league had the opportunity (laughs) to guarantee Leonard Fournette would be on their team by claiming him off waivers. And they were like, four million bucks? Eh, not worth it. The, yeah. pa- or the Patriots, the Bucks get him for $2 million. 
I, I, I know everyone remembers him at LSU and everyone that first year he was with Jacksonville when they make the AFC championship game, you think big things are coming. But to me, this is a, I don't think he's better than Ronald Jones. I don't think he is a big difference maker. So whether or not Brady succeeds or fails this year, I believe Brandon is going to have very little to do with Leonard Fournette and his place on this team's offense. Yeah, I mean, uh, with Leonard or without Leonard, the expectation for Tom Brady is high. He could have went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, went to the Cleveland Browns. He could have went to Washington. And the, and the standard is always going to be the standards to win the Super Bowl. I think this helps him out a lot. He's an aging quarterback. So to have a guy that could potentially go for 1,500 yards says a lot. It's very meaningful. But Leonard Fournette, there's, some, there's something else to this, right? Like a lot of times when I look at these players and I look at the struggles they have with organizations, it makes me think about fit. And from the beginning, it seemed like that relationship was doomed, Wilds. You look at Leonard and all the issues that they, they, they had and the back and forth with Tom. I, I think this could be the perfect locker room for him because there's I'm discipline. Talking. There's respect, which is extremely important. But not everybody gets along with Tom. And when you take a guy like Leonard, I think that was more of a, a volatile relationship than it was a, a, a coach to player, uh, that type of coach to and respecting management type rela relationship. I, I don't think he respected him. And for that reason, and I, I think this is a better fit for him because he has Bruce, he has Tom, and he has other guys in that locker room that I think he'll respect elite, a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, on the field, the Bucks need him. The Bucks were the worst uh, yards per carry. They had 3.7 yards per carry. Now they got LaShawn McCoy. Now they got Leonard Fournette. He, granted, he had three touchdowns last year, but he still ran for 1,100 yards. And the other thing, Nick, you can look at, Look, the guy can catch the ball now. The previous two years, he had 58 receptions. Last year, went up to 76 receptions, 522. So if I'm Tom Brady, I wake up, I have my uh, 20 ounces of electrolyte water, and I'm happy that I got another weapon to throw to in the offense. Yeah. Too many electrolytes. Yeah, so, so, here's, so that's a very interesting thing, that another guy to throw to. And another guy, you mentioned they signed LaShawn McCoy. I wonder if he now gets cut. They already have Ronald Jones. Oh, they, that's A lot of mouths to feed on this offense, Brandon. And here's one of the, to me, a potentially big issue. A handful of those mouths have never actually been fed. And by that, I mean they're still on rookie contracts. So we know Mike Evans has been paid. They bring in Gronk. We know, obviously, he's made a ton of money in this league. Chris Godwin, coming off the best season of his career on a second round, <laughs> third round rookie contract. Ronald Jones on a rookie contract. Tight end O.J. Howard on his rookie contract. I, I just wonder in the locker room, even if the team is succeeding more than it did last year, those guys who need numbers in order to secure their financial future in this league, I, I mean, how does it land with Ronald Jones? It's like, oh, we signed LaShawn McCoy. We drafted a running back in the third round. We now signed mm -hmm. Leonard Fournette. And by the way, he's putting up IGs of him in my jersey. 27 is actually already taken. Yeah, it's yeah, Ronald Jones' yeah. number. And O.J. Howard sees like... That was fast. Wait, that was we, fast. That was fast. That was fast. He, you know, he's following Tom Brady's uh, M.O. of just taking another guy's number with no excuses. So O.J. Howard, it's like, wait, we, we had Cameron Braid already. We need Gronk. I'm a first-round pick. And Chris Godwin has to know there's fewer balls for me. Like, So how does this resonate, Brandon, with guys who haven't been paid yet who need their numbers. 
Yeah, I mean, O.J. Howard, this is the best thing that could have happened for O.J. Howard, being around Tom oh, Brady okay. and Gronk. He gets another opportunity to develop. Everything coming out of their camp is that O.J. Howard has taken his game to a whole nother level and it's meshing really well there. And we all know Tom loves those two tight end sets. But when it comes to, you know, this fit, I think the only place it can be disruptive is in a running back room because there's only one ball and there's three downs essentially where you can where you can touch it. Right. Mm -hmm. So ex ex example, when it comes to the receiver, the receivers, we actually love having this type of guy because we know if this guy can go for 1,200 yards, 1,500 yards, it gives us a bigger lanes to run our routes. You can't, you can't double me anymore. You can't roll coverage to me anymore. And if you do, mm -hmm. the coaches, all they need to do is hand the ball to their bell cow and let him pick up five, six yards. And eventually, they have to go to eight-man box, which leaves these star receivers one-on-one. -on -one. And as a receiver in today's game, that's exactly what we want. We don't want those, those bracket coverages. We don't want cover two. We don't want quarters. We want everybody to go in the box and stop the run game. So, Wilds, I don't know where you, where you fit here, but I'm excited about this being a perfect situation for Fournette. So do you think that anyone in the running backs room is a little bit upset or is it 100% joy like it is it would be in the wide receivers room if no. you added a wide receiver to the Bucks? Yeah, 13 years in the NFL, five different teams. Uh, it was only a handful of times I saw it. Like, guys aren't going to do that. Guys are, are trained to compete. We know, like, every year they're drafting somebody or bringing somebody in to take our spot. This is one of the most volatile environments you can be in, and that's professional sports. Because one day you could be hanging from the rafters, and the next day you could literally be packing up your locker with a garbage bag. They're telling you, hey, we no longer need your services. So it's a... Uh, uh, organically it's a it's a it's a competitive environment guys just continue to pick themselves up every single day and continue to compete so i don't think it's a huge problem but definitely guys are looking like man this was my opportunity to carry the load more well we got a week until the season starts we'll see how all of this fits in take a turn back to last night's incredible finish by james harden in game seven that is next on first things first incredible Incredible. All right, we're moving on. Talking the love story in Green Bay. I love a good love story. Aaron Rodgers has every reason to be mildly put off after the Packers drafted Jordan Love in the first round. But Rodgers has been anything but, according to those close to him, Aaron himself, saying, quote, part of your legacy is how you treat your teammates. I want Jordan to have as great of memories as possible of me being in the quarterback room and having some great laughs and competing. I want kinship, not animosity. That's what I've always tried to do with all my backups. All right, Brandon, you think Aaron Rodgers should feel an obligation to mentor Jordan Love? We all know he wasn't exactly mentored by Brett Favre when Rodgers came into the yeah. league. Absolutely. This is the standard. This is the locker room. I've, I mean, 13 years in the NFL, five different teams. I think there was one guy in Denver uh, that I, I realized didn't want no part in helping any young guy develop. But for the most part, this is what we see. We're seeing this with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua in Miami. We've seen it with Josh McCown. Uh, I mean, this, this is what you're supposed to do, right? So when you look at this situation, I, I, I would even ask, like, why, why aren't more guys actually doing the opposite? Right? You got to think about this. We're putting 
Ben, Mercedes in a room, we're putting BMW in, in a room, and we're saying, hey, guys, let's trade secrets so we can then compete against each other, take each other's jobs? Like, it doesn't make much sense, but I'm not surprised that Aaron Rodgers is taking this approach because this is the standard in the locker room. We take care of each other. We know every single year that they're going to draft a guy. They may bring, sign a guy up and free agent, and we know they're trying to take our spot. But what do we do? We continue to help the younger guys develop because that is the way. Well, and I, Go ahead, Wilds. Wilds, what I would what, what I would wonder here is a Brandon's point that it is curious that guys are so apt to do this when you know these guys ultimately are trying to take your job, I think is a really good one. I think it does speak to maybe the kind of camaraderie of the locker room and the general nature of athletes, which yep. is I'm going to try to guide, try to help the guys behind me, but always believe they will always be behind me because I will always be better than them. But Wilds, the thing with Rodgers that makes this a little different is this guy's a first-round pick at the one spot on the field where there's only one player. So, like, he can help He can help love as much as he wants, and he's a good guy, so I expect him to do that. But eventually he knows that's because the Packers want Jordan Love to replace him certainly far earlier, Wilds, than Aaron Rodgers expects to be done playing football. Yeah. I, I, Brandon, I don't totally get it. Like, I understand you're not going to be mean to Jordan Love, but at what point does Aaron Rodgers be like, all right, I got to focus on the man in the mirror here because your job actually might be to help me. Like, all of Tom Brady, yeah. like, he, he liked having Brian Hoyer around because I think Brian Hoyer was an asset to Brady. So at what point in, in working in the quarterback's room, you're like, you know what, I, I've spent enough time with you, I need to lock in on myself here. I think that is the formula. I think that's the process for, for each guy in, on a team and in, in every position. You, are, you have to have a mentee. You see this every single day on the practice field, a guy pouring into a younger guy. It's good for them. And right. then also it's good for love. Like love is going to be in position for the next year, possibly two years, maybe even three years to sit back and learn from one of the greatest to ever do it. Well, I don't think so I think this long. is part of the process. And, 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 and I don't know, we, I've never really thought about why the culture is that way, but it's, it's just innate in guys just to pour into but anybody that comes in that locker room, even the guys that's drafted to take your position. Brandon, I'm not going to make you say the guy on the Broncos who you know gave you the stiff arm. I, I think I know who it is, Rod Smith. But regardless, I, I am curious. <laughs> no, who, Rod Smith uh, was no, great. Just, the, so, all right, well, well, so that that leads me to the question. Early in your career, who were the guys who helped you? And later in your career, who are some of the guys that you look at that are still playing that you're like, man, I helped him get to where he is? Yeah, Rod Smith is that, that guy. Rod Smith showed me the way. The very first time, the very first day I, I stepped foot on campus, Rod picked me up and he said, hey, you're going with me. He took me to Al uh, Wilson's house and he showed me the ropes. And one of the very first things he taught me was, look, don't try to keep up with Champ Bailey. Don't try to keep up with John Lynch. Keep your money in your pocket. I'm also, I'm also going to show you how to be a pro. Rod Smith was beside me every step of the way. 
And I took that and then I and I did well with that because I said, okay, if this is what Raw did for me, then I'm gonna do this for other guys. So my goal every offseason was to bring in my receivers, the guys on my team, to try to help them develop and learn the things that I learned the hard way or through great leadership like Rod. So Alshon Jeffrey was a guy. Like Alshon, he didn't know how to take care of his body. Um, Alshon didn't know how to be the ultimate pro. He had to figure that out. And we sat down for an offseason. Every single day we went through that. And through that offseason, what we were able to accomplish was uh, some amazing things. But the outcome was Alshon Jeffrey being a Pro Bowl. So from a selfish perspective, I was actually proud because now you have to double, you have to double team, you have to double cover Alshon Jeffrey. You can't just double me because if you do that, then I have a guy on the other, other side that can that can beat you himself. So I think it's important selfishly to help develop guys, but also for the team. It's just part of our uh, our innate ability to just be able to help these guys that's, that's coming in and trying to find their way. I did that with Nick the whole summer before we started the show. I helped him with his body and with his information. Uh, there's a lot on the line for the Packers this season. <laughs> he looks good. Namely the future. Yeah, he does. You mean look what he looked like before. The future of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's really the bigger story. However they get along, these two quarterbacks right now, it's going to be where does this leave Aaron Rodgers? You, do you think, Nick, that this could be the last season, his last season with the Packers, if, if somehow this team falls short of a, of a Super Bowl? Oh, yes. Could it be? Absolutely. A hundred percent it could be. I'm not, I'm not going to go out and say it will be. Now, I would be surprised if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of this team in three years. You don't draft a player in the first round to not play him. But it's on the board the Packers that did. this is his last year. Well, well, I don't know if they did, Brandon. I, they, they, they maybe drafted a player to not play him this year, and this is why but isn't it's the same just story? so different. Isn't it, it's the same story we saw years ago with Brett Favre. And Aaron Rodgers, Aaron sat for how many years? So you, we, we, we can for say that years, the Packers. But, but it's a different. So a couple things have changed since then, and the circumstances are a little different. They drafted Aaron when they were coming off a bad season, when Aaron fell f further in the draft than they could have ever expected, and when Favre regularly flirted with retirement. They drafted Jordan Love when they're coming off a 13-3 and year where they trade up to get him. And not only has Rodgers never flirted with retirement, he has said, I want to play. We just, they just signed to a contract extension that he wants to play till he's 40 years old. And so unlike with you and Rod Smith or you and Alshon Jeffrey, you guys can be on the field at the same time. And the Packers, I think a lot of the smart analytics expect the Packers to take a couple steps back this year. I don't know if I buy into that fully. But if they do, I do think it is absolutely on the board that this could be Rodgers last year. And no matter how they do, anything short of a Super Bowl in the next two years, I think they are preparing to move on from Rodgers and to move forward with Jordan Love after two years. They need maximum, to move on from themselves. Not the three years Rodgers set. Go ahead. They need to move on from themselves because... The only thing that stood in the way from them winning multiple championships has been their defense. It has been their decision-making on how they approach free agency. So it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. This is a 
this is, I mean, just a couple years ago, we were saying he's going to go down as the best quarterback to ever play the game. That's what we were saying, right? He was just lights out week in and week out. So, Wilds, I don't know how you feel about this, but for me, I think this is a good move. I think this is the Packer way now. And it's like they're lucky, right? Because they went from one generational player to another generational player, from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, and now they're trying to strike for another another time. So I think this is a great move, and I think this kid is going to sit for at least two years. Two years, okay. If he sits for two years, and I think Rodgers looks around and says, you know what, my time's up here. I had a great run. I'm a Green Bay legend. I got you one Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl, even though they went 13-3 and last year. So not super far away, but I just feel like they feel far away. So if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, I still think it's a great career, and uh, he can start looking elsewhere. Hmm. Anything can happen with this guy. Back to our top story now. James Harden's incredible defensive stop last night. When was the last time we said that? I'm going to say it again. Defensive stop. First things first. Back after this. Time for stories to start your morning. Sponsored by Ram Trucks. Built to serve wild finish to the Thunder Rockets. Game 7. Nine seconds left. Thunder down one. Lugans Dort's shot blocked by James Harden. Then he avoids the balls and rolls out of bounds to seal it. Harden struggled again on offense, said afterwards he knew he needed to step it up on defense, and he did. The Houston Rockets send Chris Paul and the Thunder home. They are on to round two for a matchup with LeBron and the Lakers. Here's James Harden and CP3 after the game. Like, it's, it's, it's cool to, you know, get 40 or 50 points or be shooting the ball extremely well. Obviously, we all want to do that, but just to, to get recognition and for it to pay off, you know, when it counts on a def- defensive end uh, and show that I've been engaged and locked in uh, for it to show in a, in a, in a clutch moment, it uh, means a lot. I know, man, it's a tough one. It's tough. We, we, we fought hard all year. Um, obviously, a lot of people doubt us, but we didn't doubt ourselves. Uh, we didn't give a damn about anybody's predictions going into any series. In any game, we we expected to win. All right. And that's the way we play all season long. Every game, we expected to win. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough one. All right, Nick, what did you make of the way this one ended? Well, that block by James Harden saved a lot of jobs and at least staved off a lot of legacy commentary that people, I think they had the tweets pre-written about Harden and to a lesser (laughs) extent Westbrook and also Mike D'Antoni. That's right. I I mean, in an alternate universe where Harden does not get out for this block and Lugans Dort, who is having the best game of his entire life, if he makes that shot, what this, D'Antoni is already gone. There are real questions about my pal Daryl's job security. James Harden is marred forever as an all-time playoff choke artist, fair or not. Because when he's been bad in the postseason, he's been really bad, even though he's had some great postseason moments. He averages with the Rockets 28, 8, and 7 for his postseason career. But his bad games have come at the worst times, and this would have gone right to, if not at the very top of that list. But because we are so results-based, the Rockets won, and the game ends with Harden saving the day, 
This is now just a footnote. Like, Russell's, Russell Westbrook's meltdown in game six will be forgotten. The fact that the Rockets should have won all first, all, all six of the first games in this series will be forgotten. It's like, oh, that was a series. Chris Paul had some moments. The Rockets moved on. And so that all changes if that shot goes in. And the future of the Rockets franchise changes if that shot goes in and Harden doesn't get out there. Brandon, I know you've been harping on the point, though, if they are going to have any chance against the Lakers, they need the offensive side of James Harden to get back to regular season production levels if they're going to have Brandon any chance in this next series against the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't like their approach to basketball right now. The reality is everyone's now talking about James Harden's defense in the, in the closing seconds of this game, but he's been playing great defense and engaged all season. He's really embraced this, but that's not why you pay James Harden. You pay James Harden to do what he said, oh, well, people think it's cool to score 40, 50, but sometimes you win the other way. Well, no, that's not true because you guys doubled down on small ball. You guys doubled down on you dominating the basketball. And that's not what we're seeing. When's the last time you saw James Harden penetrate and kick the way he did last night? James Harden always imposed his will and forced the referees to call fouls. He's not doing that right now. Is he playing good defense? Yes. Do we want him to play good defense? Yes. But if you have a chance this year... James Harden has to score 40, 50 points. They're lucky yep. that they escaped last night. Yeah, survive and escape. I want to throw some Russ sound because Russ had some good points about Harden's defense. Take a listen. Play defense. I think if you actually, if media and people actually look at the numbers, you since you guys like to look at numbers, look at them and then you will see, your, you'll get your answers. Because James defends, I think this notion of Obviously, in the past, where he um, will lose his man um, and, and do different things, but he's he's improved. Um, not just for me being an issue, but I've seen him improve uh, on that side of things. I think it, it gets overlooked because he's such an exceptional offensive player, and you guys only see one thing: it's like, oh, he can't play defense. Well, that's not true. Low-key analytics disc. Look at this: most deflections and loose balls recovered. Drew Holiday, it's Harden, key. it's Chris Paul, it's Ben Simmons. He, he also had led the league with 125 steals. Nicky had three blocks last night, two in crunch time. So Russ is right. Yeah. This guy's been playing great defense, and you mentioned it earlier in the show. You also can't post him up. Now, the issue is this. He had 17 points, four for 15 from the field. We know he's had some real duds of elimination games. He had that game, uh, he scored 10 points when the Spurs blew him out by 40 points. He had uh, set the record for turnovers, Nick. So I'm not sure if I feel totally confident if in this next series with the Lakers and the games on the line that Harden is going to show up. Are you more confident Look, now than you were no. before last night's game? No, I'm less. Co okay. I'm less confident. I mean, listen, it, Harden oh. is a guy. It, listen, he can. Both of these things can be true. He's one of the five greatest offensive players of the last 50 years. That is undeniable. That can be true, and this can also be true. He tightens up in the biggest spots. He missed two threes last yeah. night by three feet. Like, I mean, one air ball, the other hit the wrong side of the backboard. And, and there's been too many of these instances in order for us to ignore it. But I do want to be fair in this regard. 
So much with Harden has been results-based. Last year in the series against the Warriors, he averaged more points, more assists on a higher field goal percentage against a healthy Warriors team than Kawhi averaged in the finals against the decimated Warriors. Kawhi gets anointed after that series. Harden gets crushed after his because one team won, one team lost. So if we're going to be results-based with Harden when he plays well and they lose, we've got to do it the other way as well which is he played poorly, but yep. survive in advance and move on. And, and the other thing is, Brandon, we talked all week about clutch God Chris Paul. You brought up the great point. The Thunder were the best clutch team in basketball, and Chris Paul's the best clutch player. It, it's a little unfair, but not totally unfair to say, man, after Chris Paul gives the quote, some people are built for this moment. Some people aren't. A clear shot at Harden when he's staring Harden down at the free throw line in game six. You're going to do all that in game seven in a one-point game in the final three minutes. You can't have a turnover, a missed seven-footer, another near turnover on the second-to-last possession, and then not touch the ball in the final 15 seconds of the game. Like, it is fair to say, Brandon, after Chris Paul was clutch all year long, that in the final minutes last night, he had a really, really rough time of it. Yeah, that's fair. And, and Chris came on uh, yesterday and he said that uh, for, for, for them to pull this off, Chris Paul's going to have to score and he's going to have to shoot. And he didn't do that. Yep. But at the end of the day, we need to be talking about Gordon. Gordon did a hell of a job of defending him. Like, he stepped up to the challenge. This is what we need to see out of all superstars in these moments. So I, I think, you know, yes, Chris Paul could have been better. But at the end of the day, uh, Gordon did a phenomenal job of stepping up and stopping this guy. Now, Nick is calling that a so terrible Nick, turnover, you, though. I thought that was just a solid defensive play. Go ahead, Jenna. I just want to spin it forward. You saw what the Rockets just went through. They're exhausted. They played seven games, and you clearly now see the weakness in uh, James Harden and his offense. So what kind of problems, what kind of struggles can they possibly give the Lakers moving forward? Oh, I, listen, I, I still think the Lakers should be on, on high alert against the Rockets. I think this is a seven-game series. I think that the, 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 the fact that Harden is, was bad in game seven has, to me, no indication over whether or not he'll be good or not in game one. I would expect him to be good in game one. And I know a lot of folks are saying, listen, the, the Rockets can't match the Lakers' size, and they can't. But I think the Rockets will be thrilled if the Lakers play a bunch of lineups with Anthony Davis and a center. If the Lakers wanted to make quick work of the Rockets, they would play a, their own small ball, but with a seven-footer, with Anthony Davis at the five. I fear instead JaVale and Dwight and Markeith Morris are going to get real minutes, and that's going to mean the Rockets are going to be able to shoot themselves into and shoot the Lakers out of some of these games. That's so, Brandon, right. I think this next series actually could be the toughest series of the entire postseason for the Lakers. Yep. Russ is only getting stronger. Harden will bounce back at least early in That's the series. Right. Now, I can't pick the Rockets to win it, Brandon, because you've got the best clutch player in the history of the league, LeBron, against a team that clearly struggles <laughs> in those situations. But I do think that the Rockets can win at, at least two, if not three, games in this series. I, I agree because this team has been sneaky good on the defensive side, and that's the storyline today. 
Chris, James James Harden, he's a, one of the all-time uh, best scorers. If this guy starts finding the, the basket, I don't. I, th- some of these games may not even be close. And I know that's going out on a limb to say that, but this guy in one night can hit 40, can hit 50. We're saying it over and over again. And you put that alongside of playing good defense, this could be a scary se- series for LeBron James and the Lakers. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a series of extremes, Nick. And you know, I'll tell you more about that tomorrow's show. Tomorrow. <laughs> one minute to go, guys. <laughs> Take a quick take your pick. Game one tonight, Nuggets, Clippers. Great slate tonight. Who you got, Brandon? (laughs) I got the Clippers. I really like the Clippers. (laughs) Jamal Murray, he's trying to find his legs still. Wilds? Yeah, I I agree. I've got the the Clippers by uh, 115 points. I think the Nuggets are totally gassed. Jamal Murray didn't even know the game was today after last game. I think the Clippers are a monster win, Nick. (laughs) All right, America. Go ahead, Nick. You got about 30 seconds. Very sought after Nick Wright gambling advice. Right now, the Nuggets are about 9 to 1 to win the series. Do not bet on them yet. I think the Nuggets get blown out tonight and still win the series. After they get blown out tonight, Jenna, you should be able to get them at 12 or 13 to 1 to beat the Clippers uh, over the course of the series. Bet it then, but the Clippers win big tonight. Nuggets Clippers game one, Raptors Celtics game.